Yes, indeed. Father God, this war is amazingly difficult and incredible, and many people are caught, snared, entrapped, entangled, held down by the forces of darkness in this war. And you said that in Daniel, that many would be, um, in those last days, uh, be oppressed and and, uh, be overcome by the evil one. So I thank you, Lord, that you are our way of escape, Jesus. You are the way and that you have made a way and you have delivered us from the grip of the terrible one, even this day. And I thank you for this day. I thank you that thanksgiving and gratitude are the way of escape from the fear, the terror, the trauma, the panic that so much wants to surround us. There's only one way out, and that is through Jesus Christ and through um, expressing, rejoicing, gratitude, pulses, and everything gives thanks. So we thank you, Father, for this day, this time, this season. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your, um, even the things that we don't understand and realize are your sustaining and, and supporting grace and power. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. Thank you, Lord. You did die on that cross for us in our place that we might be free. And you said, Who was whosoever will accept that your death as the payment for their sin. They could be with you forever in paradise. And that's what you did with the thief on the cross. And it's not too late, Lord, for us to come to that, that conclusion that you are good and you, have, you are our salvation. So cover us now. Keep us, Father. You have angels dispatched. The angels, I know, are just going crazy with the wars that's going on in the heavenlies. But we praise you and thank you that they have been sent to minister to us. We thank you for the greatness of your power. We thank you for the promises that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, deed done, action taken, no crimes committed against us, no injustices will go unaddressed, for your for ju- righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. So, Lord God, those who have been suffering loss, incredible loss and grieving, the loss of many people these days. We pray, Father God, that there would be a, a comforting and a, a, a renewing and a, and a hope being implanted in their hearts even right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, where to start? What to say? Um, let's go back. Let's start in Peter chapter. I mean, I, mean I, I would imagine most of you, many of you are feeling some kind of difficulty, oppression, loss, crisis, pressure in your life. I just don't know of anybody who's in the family of God who's not suffering some type of um, crucible experience. I call it the crucible because we're kind of in that, that place. But anyway, in First Peter chapter 5, there's some interesting words that Peter is... Now, Peter at this point, he's facing death. He's preparing... To, to depart. And so he's giving his last kind of last words to the people, kind of a summary of what he saw. Um, he's saying um, in verse chapter five, verse five, um, likewise, you younger people submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Why? 
Why should we be clothed with humility? Why should we submit to one another? Because God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So when there's a arrogance and an attitude and a controlling spirit and rebellion, God resists that. But as we humble ourselves, pray one for another, submit one to another, bear one another's burdens, love one another, God loves that. And so God gives us grace. So it, you have to humble yourself to get through this thing. You cannot, there's no way we're going to get through this war being uh, standing up in our own strength or declaring our own righteousness or um, demanding our own way. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Okay, those are a couple of good things to think about. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. He will exalt us. We don't exalt ourselves. Promotion does not come from us. It comes from the Lord God. His commendation, his well done, good and faithful servant is what we seek. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. This is where we're at right now. Uh, Every one of you in your situation with the loss of a loved one, and I'm sure many of you have, suddenly lost the, 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 the presence, the life of loved ones, and more and more as we see the reaping and the harvesting of souls and the great despair and de- devastation that's come upon humankind. So casting your care upon him because he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant. Why? Be sober, be vigilant, be happy, be, I mean, be thankful, grateful, but be sober at the same time and vigilant, watchful, because your adversary, the devil, now the devil is the adversary. He comes to resist you. He comes to accuse you. He comes to examine you. He comes to tattletale on you to the king, uh, the kingdom of God. He comes to uh, bring his demonic judgments. He comes to look for a way to justify those demonic judgments he wants to put against you. He comes away to, to bring any sin, any crime, any fault, any, any even temptation he puts in your mind that you agree with. He brings those things before God so that he can bring his judgment against you. He walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Okay, so what are your chances against a hungry lion? Really? I mean, you know, you're going to be eaten pretty much. And Satan is that roaring lion. And yet God has given us strength and grace in the midst of these fiery trials to stand and having done all to stand because he's, he is with us. He said, resist him, resist the devil, steadfast in the faith, in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world, knowing that, knowing we're steadfast, we're resisting in the faith, knowing we're not the only ones. We're knowing that there is a purpose to this. He says, but may the God of, our, of all grace, may the God of all grace, who calls us, to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while. Yeah, for sure, a while. How long? When? When will this end? Suffering a long a long time. A little time is a long time if you're in a lot of pain. It, it all becomes kind of lost. Time doesn't even factor in anymore. But you kind of get lost in it. So he says, um, after you have suffered a while, he will perfect, establish, strengthen and settle you to him be glory and the dominion forever and ever amen so he is teaching the people there how to prevail against the difficulties the trials the fiery trials the the satan coming to test us 
to um, uh, prove to God that we're not worthy to be called sons and daughters of God because Satan himself uh, is super jealous of us and hates humankind, hates DNA, human DNA because we carry the image and likeness of God on that DNA. And so he wants to destroy us. And Jesus said, and it's kind of interesting, he said, if he would not shorten those days, that's the days we're in now, if he would not shorten them, no flesh would be saved. Now, I don't, am, am not pretending to say Jesus is coming back uh, in 20 years from now or two weeks from now. I really don't know, but I know for all of us, this is your day. <clears throat> this is your life. You are not going to get another life to do this in. And so now is the day, now is the, the, the time for us to follow Jesus and make our decisions to follow Jesus. So now I'm going to turn with us to another great man of God who also walked among the lions. Actually, he um, slept with them one night. You all know the story of Daniel and the lion's den. Um, and that, you know, I was thinking this morning, what, what would make me more afraid? To go and sleep at night, a whole night with a pride of hungry lions? Just, just be there by myself with no weapons? Would that be scary? more scary than to, to stand in the midst of the fiery challenges Satan is putting on my life, the fiery darts, the, the, the curses of witchcraft, the um, drive-by shootings that Satan aims, takes target and aims at us. I, I would guess I would still think I'd, I'd be less afraid of the devil than the lions. I don't know what you think, but I just thought that this morning, I thought this was kind of weird. But anyway, um, Daniel. Okay, so Daniel was taken from his country at a, a teenager, and he was forced into the culture, or they tried to force him into the culture of the Babylonians. And they tried to change his diet, his food, types of food he would eat. Uh, he refused to eat the king's food. We've talked about that before. And they were afraid that if he didn't do all their diet requirements, he would lose his abilities, his strength, his weakness would show up, his countenance would grow dull. And yet he flourished when he followed the Lord and he stood up for what was right. He stood up. You know what? That's what we are not doing so much these days. We're, 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 you know, he didn't stand up against the, the whole kingdom. He just stood up for what he knew to be right and let God defend him. And that, and that turned out to be good because he didn't lose his identity. He didn't get, the devil didn't get a, a way to compromise him and then come back and accuse him later. Well, you sold out. You know, that's part of the problem. Satan gets this push pressure on us to sell out, to give in, to compromise, and to do something we know, we know in our being is not right. We call that sin uh, sometimes. We are, you know, and, and so Satan gets us to, to sin, to believe a lie, to compromise, to be afraid. Really, actually, that's what it is. You're listening to fear. And you deny the truth, however it is presented to you. And then you, now Satan says, ah, ah. See, you're listening to me. You submitted to me. And now I get to, you know, guilt you, put this judgment upon you, put poverty there, put pain there, put sickness there. And that's pretty much the whole way he works. But um, now let's go to Daniel a little bit further on. This is a fascinating book, actually. He had many encounters and experiences with the spiritual world and spiritual realm. Um, now he's, he's in, in chapter, uh, let's see, nine. He's praying um, and he's seeking God. Um, 
there's uh, there's many difficulties going on. He says, we, he begins by confessing sins, submitting, humbling. That's what we do. Confess your sins, confess your faults, pray one for another. So he said, um, he, he was praying and fasting in sackcloth and ashes for 21 days. Praying, didn't give up, didn't break the fast. He was called by God to do this fast. I wouldn't fast unless God calls you to a fast. And he began by confessing his sins. We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. This is what I'm talking about. We've walked away, moved away, drifted away from God's precepts, the law of love. We've compromised. We've, you know, become afraid. Neither have we heeded your servant, the prophets, the servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes and our fathers and all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us shame of face as it is this day. To the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, to us, us, the church, um, to those near and those far off, to and all the countries to which you have driven us, or driven, they were scattered, because of the unfaithfulness in which they have committed unfaithfulness against you. O Lord, to us belongs shame of face, to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. This is the place Daniel was brought to through the prayer, the fasting, and with this great wisdom. He had to get down to this place of humbling himself, submitting, crying out to God, going back to the place where everything went wrong and humbling himself to admit that this this sin, this rebellion against God had to be admitted to had to be agreed that we have to, the, the shame, the agreements, the, the rebellion, the sin, we have to acknowledge it. Um, maybe it's not even our own sin we're acknowledging. Maybe it's the sin of those around us or the generations before us. And nonetheless, we and our children are caught in this deadly snare uh, that the God of this world has set for us. And he says, um, to you, O Lord God, belongs mercy and forgiveness Though we have rebelled against him, we have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his ways, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Now we have more than the prophets. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, and yet we seem to flounder, even though that internal guidance system, Holy Ghost guidance system, is right inside of us because we're still going, dialing back and forth between the soul and the spirit, walking in the flesh the carnal appetites, the, the lusts, the perversions, the, the presets to sin, um, those kinds of things, rather than choosing to say no to those things and walking in the fullness of the um, power and the glory and the grace of God and his goodness, his salvation. Um, to you, O Lord God, belongs mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed. Yes, all of Israel has transgressed your, your law. Now, it's interesting now Back then they had the law, they transgressed, they stepped over the line. That's what transgression means. And so the law was given to them as a protection and as an, uh, an identifier. So they had the Ten Commandments. No other nation had the Ten Commandments. They had the laws of God. They had the ordinances. They had the statutes. They had the, the prescriptions for the sacrifices in the temple and all those things. They had all of those things that they were called to do, which by those behaviors, they were identified as the children of God and as obedient children. And as long as they were in those uh, parameters of that protection of the law, 
Satan could find nothing on them. And so therefore he really couldn't bring accusation or calamity or judgment against them because they were walking within the obedience of the parameters that God had set for them called the law. Now for us, it's a little different. The law has been satisfied, completed through Jesus Christ. So the law served its purpose in the Old Testament to um, keep the people safe to identify them as God's people, to protect them from the devil's accusations. And as long as they were in that law, abiding and obeying, even though some of those things maybe didn't make a whole lot of sense to them, um, they were safe. And now for us, with their being, the, the, the law has been fulfilled. Jesus says, I've come to fulfill that law. In other words, that law was protecting them until Jesus could come and get, until the people could survive to get to Bethlehem where Jesus Christ could be born. And so now the law has been rewritten in our hearts as the law of love. And God wants us to follow that law and to walk in his grace and um, not fulfill the, the, the prescriptions of covetousness and fear and anger and injustice and rebellion. So they had broke the law. They had transgressed. They had crossed the line. And now Daniel is trying uh, to bring this all to God's attention. He's making petition before the court of heaven. And I believe we can do that as well, even for our nation, for the, the whole world. There's not one nation in this world right now that's not in the same spot. There is a, a, a demonic pull to pull the net in. He's got a big net and he's got almost all the fish in the sea in this net. And his desire is to pull this net all together, lock us into this global unity and then bring in his antichrist government. And there's a lot of righteous, innocent, unknowing people who are being caught up in this plot. And so Daniel was under this awareness as well. And he said, um, uh, that's a po- he, says, uh, the, he says, and he has confirmed his word, which he spoke against us and against our judges who judge us by bringing upon us these great disasters and from under the whole heaven never has anything been done what we have seen done to Jerusalem now we're in the same spot never has anything been done to the earth that we're seeing being done to the earth today and as is written in the law all of this disasters come upon us yet we have not made our prayer before God the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth so he's even recognizing that even in the desperate need to, to repent, people have not found a place of repentance. They, they're actually trying to avoid it, deny there's any need, keep going on in what they want to declare to be normal, resist the idea that we're at the precipice of eternal confrontation between God and Satan, and our souls are hanging in the balance. And uh, our, our livelihood, our well-being, our lifestyles, even the food on our table, everything is hanging in that balance. And so, um, therefore, the, the Lord has kept the disaster in mind and brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous because the people hadn't repent, repented. And in all of his works he does, we have not obeyed his voice. Now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people, he's reminding God, your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name, all the nations of the world, of the earth feared the God of Israel, because they of the Red Sea and the things they heard about this God. We have sinned and have done wickedly. O Lord, according to your all your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, 
from your holy mountain because of our sins and for the iniquity of our fathers, Jerusalem and the people have become a reproach to all around us. So in other words, they slipped from being the, the number one nation on the earth, the greatest among them, to a reproach, a scoffing, a mockery, uh, just a, a, just a, a, a laughing stock, if you will. Now, therefore, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications, and for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. Oh, my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes, as if God doesn't know already, and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteousness or our righteous deeds or our good works but because of your great mercies. So we come before the throne of grace and mercy, not because we're good or we've done good deeds or we found the right denomination in which to serve God, but because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ who took our place, became sin for us, took on the reproach, the shame, the sin, the power and effect of the iniquities. He carried all that. He became sin for us, the Bible says, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We might get his righteousness. Um, so, oh Lord God, hear and forgive. Lord, listen to listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and your people who are called by your name. Now he's making a very sincere prayer. I mean, he's fasting, he's in sackcloth, he's weeping, he's articulating, he's not, you know, being distracted, he's not making a short, oh God, bless me prayer. He is digging deep into the very wickedness of the nation. And that is where we need to go. We can't just pray. You say, well, nobody else is praying. It doesn't matter. You pray. You don't know if everybody else isn't praying. There's probably a whole lot of people praying. God must add our prayers to theirs. Because even in, in Egypt, it says that the cries of the people came up before God. And that's when he sent Moses. So God, here, why do, why do we need to ask God? The Bible says, our father, Jesus says, your father, right before he teaches the our father, he says, um, your father knows what you have need of before you ask. So here's my question, but I think I have the answer. If we have to ask before we can, and God already knows what we need, why do we have to ask? I really believe the reason we have to ask is because God has got to be invited to come in to your situation, into the battle. Um, because, you know, he's a gentleman. He wants, he, we have power, we have authority to ask and to receive, but we have power to bind and to loose. But if I ask God, Father, help me come into this, destroy this, fix this, whatever, he then has the right, if you will, to come in. He has a right to come into the battle because we've invited him. Because I believe the devil answers prayer and God wants to answer prayer. That's why he asks us to ask him so that he can have the proper invitation. Well, they prayed. Well, they asked me. I have a right to come in. Says, you can't come in here. This is my world. God says, yeah, no, they asked me. They're my children. And you may think you have this world, but they asked me and I'm coming in because of their invitation. They, they, they get to invite you in. They get to invite me in. I'm invited in. And so I'm in. And this is what prayer is. It's inviting God into to take over a situation where you absolutely cannot figure it out, don't have enough strength, don't have enough money, don't have enough gas, don't have enough even faith to keep going. You know, we don't keep going on our faith. 
You know, it's not those who have a great faith that get delivered from the lion's den. A lot of those who actually had great faith were eaten by lions. So the outcome of our faith does not determine the quality or, or depth of our faith. Those who got eaten, we can't say, well, they had less faith than those who got delivered. That's not true. Because God commands those, you know, of whom the world was not worthy. They were, they were devastated and, and desolate and homeless and without food. You know, he, he didn't say, well, they just didn't have enough faith. He was commanding them for their faith to stand and trust him, no matter if it meant to the death. And that's in Revelation, it says they overcame Satan by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives to the death. So that, you know, there will, we'll, we're going to have to all die or some will be raptured, but not everybody. We're going to all have to die to get out of here. We've already died, you know, to this world when we were born again. And therefore we are crucified with Christ. Um, Paul says, reckon the old man dead. He also says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet is not I who now live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh in my body, I live by the grace and the faith of the Son of God. So you've you've given your life over to the Lord. You let him live his powerful life, his will and desire through your life. So you're not your own. You're bought with a price to live as Christ. In him I live and move and have my being. That's why we can say that. But anyway, most people, they really reserve a bit of their life for themselves and it just becomes part of the problem. Now, going back to Daniel chapter 9, 20, verse 20. Now, while I was standing, speaking, praying and confessing my sin and the sins of my people, Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord God for the holy mountain of, of God. Yes, while I was spe- speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, the man, okay, Gabriel came to him. He didn't say the angel. He said the man whom I have seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering, probably around five or six o'clock. Then he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you you skill to understand. In other words, Daniel needed some more wisdom. What's going on here, people? What's going everybody wants to know what's gonna happen? What's what's the election? What's gonna what's what's gonna happen? Well, by the time you hear this, we'll have had the election and you'll know part of what's gonna happen. He says, What's here's I and to and he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill and understanding. At the beginning, beginning of your supplication, the command went out. And I came and I've come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. Now, okay, so the, the beginning, 21 days ago, you were heard the very first day you prayed. Now, here's the problem. We're heard the first day. I probably heard the first second, but we don't get that. We don't know that. That's not conveyed to us at that point and so we still where's God where's God day after day after day you know and look at our watch check our time he must not be here he didn't hear me you know blah 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 so here we have the man Gabriel he is probably the angel Gabriel but he doesn't have wings so he appears as a man <clears throat> um, and he begins to tell the revelation of the 70 weeks or the um, the, the kind of the prophetic timeline for um, the, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and for the end of the age. So he kind of gives it all in kind of a very 
mysterious kind of parable, um, wrapped in parables so people can't really quite understand it all. And I'm not going to go to unravel all of that right now. Um, but I want to go to chapter 10 um, and pick up at verse 10. Then suddenly a hand touched me. So he had been um, uh, a certain, so this is a second vision. Another man, this man was clothed with linen, whose waist was girded with the gold of Euphaz. His body was like beryl. His face was like the appearance of lightning. His eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like varnished brass and color. And the sound of his words was like the voice of a multitude. I would say this is a, a, a um, an appar- uh, apparition or a appearance of the Jesus Christ himself. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. The men with him did not see it, but great terror fell upon them. So they fled to hide themselves. Therefore, I was left alone. I saw this vision. I had no strength remaining in me. So have you got to that place where you have no strength, no vision, vigor, um, no strength remained? Uh, you're, you're down, you're discouraged, you're, you're, you're just at the bottom. You know, you're frail, you can't move, you're trapped, you're terrified, you're panicky, you're scared, you don't know what to do. This is kind of where he was at. So when you're tasting a little of that, you're tasting a little of what Daniel tasted. And uh, we think it's going to last forever. And that's one of the worst of the demons. It's never going to end. It's never going to end. You can't do this. You can't get out of this. It's never going to end. And that is one that needs to be rebuked. You need to just say, shut up. No, you won't. This will end. You know you can't hold me here forever in Jesus' name. And by the and for every second you hold me, your God's sustaining me. You just have to rebuke these things. And I know, I know, just it's annoying how these thoughts in your mind take over your mouth. Satan gets you to speak these words. And then he uses these very words that came out of your very mouth against you to, to extend, to hurt, to continue to bind and tighten up his grip against us because it's never going to end. I'm afraid. What am I going to do? I can't do this anymore. Blah, blah, blah. I can do, the Bible says, all things through Christ who strengthens me. He strengthens me. So here Daniel was in this place, like really vulnerable. You know, he had this, this awesome appearance of Jesus right in front of him. And what did he do? He collapsed. He, he, he says, a great terror fell upon me. And, and, uh, and I, th- this vision, I, f- I was left alone. Um, no strength remained in me. And my vigor was turned to frailty in me and I retained no strength. So he kind of melted on the ground. Yet I heard the sound of his words. And while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. Then suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. So he got up uh, on his knees and on his hands. And he said to me, Oh, Daniel, man greatly beloved. Okay, so what's going on here? Daniel's suffering, fasting in a foreign land, you know, brought before many kings. Lives, his life has been threatened many times. Um, been in the lion's den, you know. Um, then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble, there's that word again, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourselves before the Lord your God. Your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. So Jesus was responding to Daniel himself. I've come because of your words. Here says, but listen to this. But the prince of Persia, the, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. 
21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now, <clears throat> what he is saying is, this: there's a war going on in the in that second heaven. And I'm sure Jesus didn't have any problems getting through it. But at the same time, this is what he, what is being said. And this man who appeared appears to be Jesus. But he says, Michael came. So there's a war in the heavenlies right now for us. You can tell it when you, when the, it's in the weather. You know, you can see it in the weather. You can see these vile, you know, 150 mile an hour winds, these hurricanes, tornadoes, um, tsunamis that are devastating the earth. Satan is, you know, these well weather elements, these natural elements that God has created, the wind, the water, that various things. Satan is grabbing a hold of them and using them as weapons against humankind. And so we see this true war. He says, the prince of Persia withstood me. Now, Daniel lived in Persia. So there was a, a, a ruling um, member of the divine council who had probably gone renegade over Persia. And then he was um, soliciting the help of the prince of Greece because then this says, and now I've come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days for the vision refers to many days yet to come. So this is a, this is a response to the prophetic end of the world or end of the age, I should say. And when he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face towards the ground and became speechless. And suddenly, one having the likeness of the Son of Man touched my lips, opened my mouth, and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, My Lord, because of the vision, my sorrow has overwhelmed me, and I have retained no strength. Um, there's an interesting verse in Isaiah that, you know, remember Peter says, he, You'll suffer a little while, he'll sustain you. In Isaiah chapter 14, he says an interesting verse right before he gives the description of Satan, Lucifer, fallen. He says, and this is a chapter about the, 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 the enemy. He says, um, <clears throat> the verse right before this is Isaiah 14, 3. And it shall come to pass in the day that the Lord gives you rest from your sorrow and from your fear and the hard bondage in, w in which you were made to serve that you will take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, how has the oppressor fallen? How the oppressor has ceased? So he's talking about the, um, this, you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, in verse 12. You who cut down to the ground the nations, who weaken the nations. You know, he's saying, now, look at here. Look who he is now. He's nothing. Absolutely nothing. He's, uh, he's done all these things, but God is bringing him down who's the one who said, I will sit on the sides of the north. I will ascend to the heights of the, of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to shield to the lowest depths of the pit. So God is going to win. But the things that we, he, he's encouraging us in the midst of our, our sorrow, when this thing, this entity, Satan, Lucifer, his entourage, hell and company are in the earth and they are in the earth and they have multiplied their resources and they have in, enlisted many human beings and enlisted the power of those human beings to bring forth destruction to the earth. The, you know, this is the devil's time. This is his day, his hour. He's been given some time. This is his hour and the hour of the powers of, of darkness. And so God says here, okay, hold on. 
When you're in sorrow, you're afraid, you're serving hard bondage. But look at, this is what you're going to say. This is what you're going to see. Just hold on and let me finish what I've started here. So Daniel is seeing that um, he's praying, he's making intercession, he's recognizing that this is the word of the Lord, that there is a super battle going on here, and that God is in control. Now, remember again, what, what um, here's the final, here's, the, here's another prayer. This prayer is from Paul in chapter in Ephesians. Therefore, now, when you're suffering, when you're hurting, when you're trapped, when your finances are gone, when you don't have food for the table, God will have to provide. If he doesn't provide in some way, he's going to have to provide in another way because he does not abandon. He doesn't leave or forsake us. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come. I will be with you. Therefore, um, Paul is saying, after I heard your faith in the Lord and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks to you for making and making mention of you in my prayer. So this Thanksgiving this season of thanksgiving, let us not only count our blessings, but be, let us become a blessing, blessing other people, sharing with what you have, sharing the word of God, praying, um, joining, gathering together in places where you can have true fellowship, you know, in the safety and the security of the word of God. I do not cease to give thanks to you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you don't buy buy into all the lies anymore that you may know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints hold on it's going to be worth it you're suffering we're all suffering for a little we're going through birth pains we're going we're actually you know when you were born went through the birth canal in your mother's womb to get out into the world that was a journey you had to make those birth pains that prepared you to come into the world. Now we're having birth pains to prepare us to enter into God's kingdom. Um, he says, "He says his calling, the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead. That resurrection power is available. And for some of you right now, we call forth that resurrection power to get you up off of that deathbed, that sick bed, that place of melancholy and depression and defeat off of that, that super over-medicated stupor, shunkodiata. Bring them out of it, Father God, and make them, put them in their right minds and give them wisdom. Um, he, he, he seated with, and he raised him from the dead and seated him in, at his right hand in heavenly places, far above the principalities and the powers and the might and the dominion and every name that is named. Not, so Jesus got to be on the top of it all above it all, over it all, the dominions, the demons, the, everything that Satan had done to rearrange the hierarchies of everything it, are put down and submitted to Jesus. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The body of Christ is the remnant, the people, the lovers of God, those who follow him faithful, faithful ones who have looked to Jesus Christ. So Father God, we thank you again for your encouragement through your word, through your spirit. May you make the word of God fresh and new and may we eat it like food. May we desire it more than the Thanksgiving dinner. May we desire and eat your food and be strengthened in it, Father God. We ask for healings and miracles that even at the sound of this, people will rise up 
off their beds of discouragement, despair, sickness, disease, and walk and live and forgive themselves and go into the place of resurrection power and rejoicing. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, don't forget to check us out at liferecovery.com. There's a lot of wonderful blessings there. I think one of the things that we have a greatest blessing for you during this wintry kind of season would be checking out our audio drama, God on Trial. It's a 28 episode, each episode's 30 minutes, audio drama that kind of really digs into not only the deep theology of things, but also becomes very entertaining and very educational to help us understand <clears throat> the war between God and Satan on a, a level that we can understand, the war that's fought over our own souls. So check it out, God on Trial, and you can download those episodes. Um, I think they're very reasonable, probably like two, three bucks or something like that, um, on your iPod you know, device, ra- phone, whatever. And you can just uh, be encouraged as you run around during your day or drive, commute, go on your jog, walk, whatever. So God bless you and pick up the pace here. Get into the word of God and don't give up in Jesus' name. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.